before, so I've never actually stopped in it, so it's nice to stop in it and, and stay in tonight, so I don't have to go the whole way back to cabin, so it's nice to be here. You may be thinking already, that doesn't sound much like a, a cabin accent. Well, it's not, and uh, in case you're trying to work out where it's from, it's from the other great footballing county in Ireland, which of course is Tyrone, and uh, I'm from Tyrone originally and lived in England for a while, so my accent got mixed up there. And I've been in Cavan now for the past eight years. So I have children with Cavan accents. They've got the real genuine thing. But hopefully you'll be able to understand and follow me tonight. But as Johnny said, if you have any questions as we go along, feel free to ask those or we'll have time at the end as well for for your questions or if you want to come up and chat to me afterwards. Um, I can't claim to have all the answers. Um, as Johnny said, I trained as a doctor, worked in hospitals for a while, and then as a GP, and um, I've been working as a pastor then recently. And I'll, I'll say a bit about that as we go through and maybe talk about the experience in, in medical practice and my experience now as, as a pastor. So in thinking then about this subject of depression, I wonder how you're, you're feeling tonight. If somebody asks you a question like that, that's the way they ask it in Cavan. How are you? And then uh, usually people will say something like, not a bother. And uh, you maybe try to give the impression that you feel a bit like this. But perhaps on the inside, you're feeling a bit more like that. So the subject of depression is one that is uh, common. And it's one also that may affect you. Maybe that's why you've come this evening. Um, if it doesn't affect you personally, it will affect someone that you know. And uh, the thing is, as we know, it's a serious condition. It's a condition that causes a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of uh, mental um, turmoil. And it is, of course, a condition that um, can lead to end of life. That um, suicide happens in those who, uh, in some of the people who are depressed. Um, I read a statistic recently that in, in Ireland um, around 500 people a year um, will take their own life. Um, so it's a, it's a serious condition. It's something then that we, it's good to be concerned about. It's good to think about. So I'm glad then that you've come this evening and hopefully um, you learn something in, in our time together. Um, as it said in the little invite card, if you had one of those, my wife is working as a psychiatrist um, she's uh, a doctor in the community mental health team um, for Cavan and Monaghan. So she's working part-time in that. So it's something that we talk about from time to time. So even though I've been out of uh, medical practice for a few years now, um, my wife is doing it um, from week to week. And uh, she helps to keep my head right. So um, it's good to be able to talk things over with her and to talk about these issues. So I try and keep a bit up to date. And... Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the definition, what actually is depression. It can be a bit of a slippery term. And then we'll um, look at some of the symptoms that you may experience with depression. Then we'll take some time and think about the causes uh, before we come on to uh, the cure for uh, depression and, and helps with those who have depression. So what is depression? Probably all of us have thought at times 
in some way I'm depressed and I'm just fed up. But there's a difference between just having a day when you're a bit down and actually having depression. So I um, checked up with my wife about this recently. Actually, um, my wife and I were sharing a seminar. We did a training seminar for youth workers a few weeks back um, to help youth workers, help young people with mental health issues. Um, so I was able to update some of my knowledge on depression as I was listening to my wife. And um, she used this slide. And um, Psychiatrists have quite a, a defined, definite way of um, classifying depression. And so I'll just mention something about this slide and then I'll go on to use my other slides to kind of break it down a bit. So psychiatrists will divide depression into mild, moderate and severe. And um, there's three key symptoms as far as they're concerned. Number one, depressed mood. Number two, a loss of interest. And number three, easily tired. So for someone to have what they classify as a mild depressive episode, you need to have two out of those three at the top for at least two weeks. So just feeling depressed a day here and there, that isn't actually clinical depression, what a psychiatrist would call depression. But if it goes on for, I think it's for most days in a two week period, um, then it could be diagnosed as mild depression. Two out of three of those key symptoms plus two of these other symptoms. So I know it's a bit small, uh, so I'll just run through what's on the right. Reduced concentration, reduced attention, reduced self-esteem and confidence, ideas of guilt, pessimistic about the future, ideas or acts of self-harm or of suicide, disturbed sleep or disturbed appetite. So we'll come back to some of those and I'll say a bit more about it. You might be wondering to yourself tonight, do I really have depression, do I not? Perhaps this will help you with that. Or maybe you're wondering about somebody that you care for, somebody that you are concerned about and you're wondering how to help them. So mild depression and then moderate is really um, more of those symptoms, more of what's on the right hand side. It says plus three or preferably four of those symptoms and it really impacting your, your daily life. It stops you doing your normal things. And then severe, it includes agitation and distress and often a loss of self-esteem, guilt or worthlessness. So that's just to give you a little flavour of the way in which psychiatrists define depression. They look on it very specifically. These come from, I think it's the ICD-10, which is an international um, way of classifying all kinds of diseases not just mental, but all physical diseases as well. So, we'll break it down into something a bit more straightforward. It can come down into physical symptoms, emotional, and then ways it affects your behaviour and thinking. So, physical symptoms, sleep disturbance, classic one in depression, can't sleep. Often it is that you wake up earlier in the morning, and it's classically defined as waking up two hours before your normal um, waking time. Now I know with the clocks going back there, our sleep might be a bit mixed up. I'm finding myself waking even earlier than, than usual and we're all different but these are sort of general guidelines. Change of appetite, usually loss of appetite uh, but it can be an increase in appetite as well. Loss of energy and poor concentration. Perhaps you, you can't concentrate to read like you used to. That would be one way it would affect people. Change in behaviour, stop doing things, maybe because of the poor concentration, perhaps because of a loss of interest, you become withdrawn, maybe take to the bed, you find it hard to get up, 
Um, those uh, who maybe were very careful about their physical appearance began to neglect themselves um, and self-harm. So if self-harm is an issue and suicidal thoughts, do you think that it's a, a sensible thing to, to bring that up with somebody who's suffering from depression? Do you think that it might put that idea in their head so you shouldn't bring it up? Anybody? Is it, is it okay to bring up that people ask them, have you ever thought of harming yourself? Is, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the general advice that it's fine to bring it up because somebody, if they're thinking about it anyway, it'll just give them a chance to, to talk about it and a chance for them to be unburdening themselves to you. So it's um, we're getting jumping ahead there a little bit to how to help people with um, depression, but it's it's okay to talk about. It's a good thing to um, ask somebody who's who's feeling down. Emotional symptoms, low mood. Um, I've got a, a book here that I've found helpful about depression and it's got some descriptions of just how people feel and um, they say here depressive speech is poetic prose doesn't capture the experience so it's either silence or, or poetry and here's how some people have put it I felt like I was walking through a field of dead flowers and found one beautiful rose but when I bent down to smell it I fell into an invisible hole I heard my silent scream echo and pierce through my empty soul. Or somebody else says, I feel as though I died a few weeks ago and my body hasn't found out yet. Or, here's another one, one more. I could weep by the hour like a child and yet I know not what I wept for. So it's, a, it's not just a feeling a bit off, but a profound sadness often with those who are suffering from depression. Anxiety can often go along with it, not always, but often. Uh, irritability, um, shorter fuse than usual, loss of enjoyment. Um, loss of enjoyment in the things that you, you used to really like doing. That's often a, uh, an important symptom in, in depression. Uh, and an apathy, not wanting to be bothered. Um, altered thinking then. So depression can affect the way you think about yourself, the way you think about the past, the way you think about the world in general and the way you think about the future. So yourself, the feelings of low self-worth, lack of confidence. The past, guilt. Well, it's normal to be guilty when you've done something wrong. But in depression, that can tend to be exaggerated. So somebody has minorly offended someone like years ago, and they start to get really guilty about it and feel really, really bad about it. Or maybe it's even a guilt that they didn't actually do something wrong. They, they just feel guilty. Uh, that can be a symptom in depression. Or altered thinking about the world, feeling people are against you. Um, sometimes at the severe end of depression, there are actually delusions um, where people have a fixed false belief. So they might think their next door neighbours are in a plot to um, poison them or put poisonous gas into their house. So that can be at the, at the severe end of, uh, of depression. Or it might be just a general feeling of, they're looking at me, I think they're against me. And then, altered thinking about the future. And this is something that's um, really uh, important to counteract in depression. It's a danger sign when people lose hope. 
And if you're trying to help somebody with depression, an important then thing to, to counteract that with is that encourage them that there is hope, that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that there's hope, there's hope. And, and I would want that to be a message to you tonight as well. If, it, if it's you, if some of these symptoms are describing you, that there is hope, there is hope, there, there is help out there. Um, when people start to lose hope, um, it's, it, it, it's a dangerous thing, really. Um, so we need to be encouraged and reminded that, that, that there is hope. So what um, causes depression then? Let's move on to the causes, and then, as I said, we've come to think about treatments. So th- there's not usually a single cause in somebody's depression. It's usually what doctors call multifactorial, lots of different factors. Different things contributing to it. Um, loss events can often precede depression. So losing a loved one, bereavement, or maybe losing your job through redundancy, or even through retirement, and uh, or maybe it's um, loss of health, or um, loss of money, financial crisis, or something like that. Can sometimes be good life events that maybe like a promotion or the birth of a baby, um, something that <coughs> triggers it off, some change can often trigger depression. Um, family history, if it's in your family, you're a bit more likely, doesn't mean you're going to suffer from depression, but it, there can often be a family connection. Um, early experiences, particularly abuse, um, those who have been abused as children, there, there, there um, is um, a, a link with developing depression later on in life. Um, personality, those who generally are melancholy, tol- melancholy type of personality. Um, but it doesn't always go along. Sometimes people are very outgoing, they appear very happy on the outside even, and, and inside there can be deep sadness. Uh, physical illness. So um, we're going to be saying in a moment with treatment that it is important to go to um, your doctor, um, if you have a significant um, level of depression, and the doctor then would check for um, physical illnesses, particularly those that are related in some way to depression. Um, hypothyroidism is, is one that needs to be ruled out or ruled in by your doctor. So checking your, the level of the thyroid hormone in your, in your body because people that have low thyroid hormone, hypothyroidism, can end up with depression. And if it's treated with a simple tablet every day to keep your thyroid hormone normal, it can often improve things, improve your general energy and improve your mood. Other things like diabetes, certain forms of cancer, um, can be related in some way to, to developing depression. So physical illness can sometimes be linked to depression. Um, alcohol and drugs. Um, people think of alcohol as something that makes you happy, stimulates you, but it's actually a, a depressant. And um, to, to drink when you're sad um, can be a dangerous thing, and it can lead into, <laughs> as you know, into addiction. And, and, and drugs are, are similar as well. A friend of mine in Cavan, um, he's been struggling with heroin and other drugs as well, and. Um, since he's come off drugs, I've noticed a great change in his mood and just how, how happier he is. And when he was on them, he's, he's often a lot more 
depressed. Medication. Some medications prescribed by doctors for other conditions have uh, the side effect of contributing to depression. For example, beta blockers that are used for high blood pressure and heart disease, um, some of them can be linked to causing depression. But um, don't go out there and stop your medication right away. Best to talk it over with your doctor. So those are some of the some of the causes anyway, and as I say, it often can be more than one and some kind of combination that leads to the development of depression. So what about the treatment then? What can be done to, to help? Well, um, this is the sort of classic, uh, somebody going to see what the Americans call their shrink, and uh, that's not the first line in helping you with depression. Most people with depression don't need to end up seeing somebody like my wife uh, going along to see a psychiatrist. That's kind of just for some, and I'll say in a moment who it's, who it's helpful for. Um, first line of treatment, really, is to talk to somebody. To, it doesn't have to be a, a doctor, even. It doesn't have to be uh, some official person, but just talking to somebody about how you're feeling, um, sharing it. Um, there is some truth in that old saying that a problem shared is a problem halved. So it's good to talk to somebody, to find somebody you can trust, um, to talk to a pastor like Johnny, or to talk to perhaps your husband or wife or girlfriend, some family members, maybe a friend, maybe somebody's brought you tonight or whatever. It's good to talk. Um, Good to talk with someone. Um, And then establish a routine. Um, As we saw earlier, when you're depressed, you don't feel, you often don't feel like doing things. And it's easy to get out of routine, to maybe lie in bed longer, to not do the stuff that you used to do. And often that can send you into a downward spiral. Because you're not doing things, you lose confidence. Because you're losing confidence, you don't do things, and you end up feeling worse. But if somehow you can keep a routine going, and by routine I mean continuing to eat, continuing to have meal times, continuing to, to do stuff, even though you're maybe not enjoying it as much as you used to. Just sort of keep that routine. Exercise. Um, I spoke on this subject um, a while back up in uh, County Antrim, and um, a man came to me at the end and he said, what is it about exercise that cures depression? And, and that was his experience. He had been quite severely depressed. And uh, his doctor had told him to exercise, and he had got into this habit of going out for regular walks, um, and it really transformed how he felt. So it is important, might, it won't cure everybody like that, but it is important to, to get out there, to do something physical, um, to keep a routine going of some sort. Again, with sleep, um, there's a lot of you might think, I need a sleeping tablet, I need medication, but there's other things you can do to help with sleep. Um, doctors call it sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene, it doesn't mean like having a wash before you go to bed, but it's just tidying up your, your sleeping. For example, not looking at screens, you know, not doing Facebook just before you go to bed, um, not eat, having your tea and coffee maybe too late in the evening. Um, things like that you can sort of change around to perhaps help your, 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 your chances of getting a good sleep. Um, then visit a doctor. Uh, as I've said, if you're um, feeling down and 
most days in the two-week period and you've got some of those other symptoms and you feel, you know, I think I am, I am depressed, then go to your doctor, talk to your doctor about it and the doctor will most likely do some of those initial blood tests and um, give, give you some advice. Uh, you might be thinking, just give me a tablet, doctor. Um, but um, that's not necessarily the best thing. Um, when I was young, growing up in the north, there was an ad on the telly um, which said something like, you don't need a pill for every ill, let the doctor decide. And um, it's true, um, the answer isn't always in pills. Sometimes the doctor will um, refer you for counselling or something like CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. And the idea of that is affecting your cognitive function, that's just your thinking, cognition, thinking, in order to affect your behaviour. Because often with depression, we've got negative thoughts, and that leads to negative behaviour. But if we can challenge our negative thinking, often our false, wrong thinking, and, and, and remind ourselves of what is actually true, some good thoughts, that can help our behaviour. That, that's what CBT is, is uh, in a kind of a nutshell. That's, that's the basis of it. So that can often be helpful. So what about the place of medication and psychiatrists? Well, medication does have a part to play. Um, I checked up these statistics with my wife and um, the thinking is that medication will help around one-third of the people who have depression. So around one-third of those diagnosed with depression will improve um, when they're given medication. A third will just stay the same and a third will likely end up getting worse. So it's, it's not the cure for, for everybody, but it can be helpful. And you maybe think, well, why is it helpful? How does it work? Um, and why does it not work? Is it not just that we've got a chemical imbalance and surely if you give a tablet then, that will help? A bit like the thyroid problem that we talked about earlier. But it's not just as straightforward as that with depression in general. You can't do a test of the chemicals in your brain to see what needs boosted. Um, doctors only know uh, that there's a chemical imbalance from, from other tests and, and looking at brains and all kinds of complicated laboratory tests. Um, you see, it could be that the chemicals are imbalanced in your brain because your thinking has gone wrong. So doctors don't quite know which, which leads to which. Maybe your thinking isn't going quite well for various factors and then the chemicals go down. And um, so some of the medication that's used, um, Prozac type medication, the, the, the family of drugs is, are the serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So they boost serotonin in your, in your brain and, and that can help some people. You might worry about medication. Will it be addictive? Um, well, the types of medication that doctors tend to use nowadays aren't um, addictive in the same way as some of those that, that were used more in the past are. And I mean medications like the benzodiazepine family, like Valium, Diazepam, D10s, D5s, whatever, Xanax, those type of medication aren't prescribed near as much by doctors now and they do tend to be very addictive. So the ones that are used more commonly nowadays like Prozac and, uh, and the like 
um, are, are not near, I wouldn't say they're completely non-addictive because it can be a bit difficult coming off and sometimes they need to be reduced down a bit gradually and often you do need to be on them for a significant length of time. But the thing to remember about medication is that it's, even if it does help you, it's not the whole, um, it's not the whole answer. Um, it's, if you think of it a bit like being stuck down a slimy pit, medication is a bit like giving you a leg up so that you can start to begin to think more clearly and climb your way out of the pit. It's not just as simple as, if I get the right tablet, then I'll be okay. The tablet kind of helps you to think clearly and address some of the other issues. Um, so going to psychiatrists then, yes, they do have a part to play in, in more severe or, or complicated depression and, and going to psychiatrists can, can be helpful. Um, so is that it? Is, is that all? Um, that's a question that occurred to me um, quite a lot when I was working as a GP. You know, is, is that all we can do? Um, I, um, after I finished studying medicine at university, I went and worked in the hospitals for a few years and then I did some uh, training in general practice and that was right up on the north coast. So you're right down here in the south, aren't you? And I was up on the north coast in the Giants Causeway um, where they have a funny accent. They're, they almost sound Scottish, even funnier accent than me. Well, in fact, one of the first patients that came in, he sat down in the chair and he said, Ahe, a hack. And I looked at him and I said, could you repeat that please? He said, Ahe, a hack. And what he was saying was, I have a cough. Ahe, a hack. So I had to learn that sort of Ulster Scots language up there. But when I learned it and when I got to talk to people, I, I realized that yes, it could help some people with medication and and referring them to hospital for operations and others through um, medication for their mind and counselling. And, but I, I could see as well that there were other issues. People had um, spiritual problems. And um, that, that was part of what um, led me from being a doctor full-time to being a doctor part-time for a little while and then being a full-time um, Christian pastor as I, as I work at now and so just in, in, just before we come to the question time I'll just um, explain a little bit of where the spiritual aspect of things um, uh, I think co- comes into something like depression um, one of the early church fathers was a man called um, Saint we call him Saint now Saint Augustine and um, he Oh yeah, I was going to show you that first. Because we're not just mental and physical, but we're spiritual beings and it all interacts with each other. That's why the spiritual is important. And here's what Augustine said. He said about God, You have made us for yourself, and we are restless until we find our rest in you. So you see what he's saying to God? You've made us for yourself. And so we're restless. There's an inner restlessness. Even people who have never suffered from depression, they're still, people have described it as, as like um, a God-shaped hole. Something, something missing. And um, I say that was part of what led me out of medicine to be able to explain. I couldn't sit in the doctor's surgery and talk to people about God all day. Um, we had like seven minutes or something to see people. So the waiting room would soon fill up. And it... it um, so anyway, 
that was part of what led me to uh, to, to leave medicine at, at that time. Um, the, even better than Augustine, we can go back to the, the source itself, back to the Bible, and um, Peter, um, who wrote um, one of the books of the New Testament, St. Peter, um, described our existence as being like an empty way of life, and as something that was passed down from generation to generation. And in Peter's first letter, he, he said it like this, and um, we talked about the way we can be uh, delivered or redeemed, as he said, set free from this empty way of life. He says, it wasn't with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Um, so he's saying it's not through getting lots of stuff, silver and gold. Uh, we've tried that in Ireland, haven't we? Um, and uh, it's you know, it's nice to have nice things. We're a lot better off than we were 40, 50 years ago in Ireland, maybe even 30 years ago in Ireland, back in the 80s. Um, but it, it doesn't deal with all the inner problems. And Peter's saying um, in this part of the Bible, well, there's, there's something more. That, that it's through Jesus that there can be this freedom. Um, but here's a fact. Christians, um, those who... Um, have a personal relationship with God through Jesus, also get depressed. In fact, um, one of those uh, descriptions of depression that I read to you earlier came from a famous um, Christian pastor. Um, so Christians also get depressed, and you might say, well, surely that should just sort out all your problems if you, know, you get the spiritual help. But we have to remember that we're not just spiritual beings, but we are we are mental, psychological aspect to us, and, and we're physical as well. So all these things are going on together. Um, but the good news is that um, not only um, can we get help from doctors and psychologists and so on, but there's other help there in, in the Bible. It's a, it's, it's a resource for, for people with different conditions. There's a book in the middle of the Bible that's especially helpful, the Psalms, and those were the uh, songs and poems, really, about experience with God. And um, there's one in particular that I just want to um, focus in on and just um, finish off um, by by looking at it. Psalm 42 and 43. Um, We have some little um, booklets that are... There's there's some literature, I think, down at the back, and... um, one of them is this little one called Finding Hope. So that's got a number of verses from the Bible, quite a few from the Psalms in it, um, something that might be helpful to some of you. Um, and, and one of the Psalms that... The Psalms deal with like all different kinds of emotions in our lives. And um, it's good to read something like that and, and perhaps to help have it explained to you. Um, Johnny mentioned that the church here meets on a Sunday and that's something I know that everybody would be welcome to, and part of that is explaining um, what uh, the Bible is saying and uh, showing how it's relevant to our lives. One of the places down in the Bible that's helpful for depression is Psalm 42 and 43. These Psalms kind of go together, and I um, just want to point out a couple of things in it to you. Um, it seems like the man who wrote this psalm was depressed, um, I know it's a bit small, but I'll just read it out for you. Verse 3 there, he says, My tears 
have been my food day and night. So he's got tears, he's crying, he's sad. He says, my tears have been my food. So he's not eating very much. If your tears are your food, you're not going to put on much weight. Um, and he says, it's day and night. So it's affecting his sleep. So just in that little phrase, you've got a number of the symptoms of depression. Um, I should have said earlier that um, it, with, with medication, um, I, I did say that it didn't help everybody, but it, it can be helpful with um, the, um, especially with the, the symptoms like sleeping and eating, what's called the physical or biological symptoms of depression. But this man, writing um, as the Psalms were written about a thousand years ago, um, people suffered from depression back then too. He didn't have access to medication, so how could, how could he be helped? Well, um, one of the ways, we've mentioned about the value of talking to others and do you know who the most influential person is, the most influential human being is in, in, our, in your life? Well, it's the person who talks to you the most. And do you know who the person who talks to you the most is? It's you, yourself. That's right, because we're always talking to ourselves. From the moment we get up in the morning, we're just kind of conversation going on. And uh, just like we mentioned earlier about cognitive behavioural therapy, it's good to challenge the negative thoughts. And that's actually what this man does in this psalm. He talks to himself. Look at verse 5 down at the bottom there. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? He's speaking to himself. Speaking to yourself isn't a sign of madness. Um, it's actually very good. You don't have to do it out loud. To it, or you can if you want. But um, why so disturbed within me? He's asking himself, why are you so down? And then he gives himself some good advice. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he's someone who knows God personally. Um, it's possible to come into that personal relationship. And he's telling himself, put your hope in God. So he's speaking truth to himself. And it's just an example of what we need to do, um, not just for depression, but for other issues that can trouble us in life. It's something you can also do for others. Um, so how can you help others? Well, you can speak truth to them. Um, you kind of have to gain their uh, trust. And you can't just go in, jump in, with, put yourself together. That's probably not going to help anybody. Uh, but you need to draw alongside. In the New Testament, there's a lovely phrase about uh, speaking the truth in love. Truth and love together uh, can be such a help. Then, um, as the psalm goes on, he describes his condition in another poetical way. He says there in verse 7, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. So it's as if he feels he's out in the sea of life in a little boat and all the waves of sorrow and trouble and they're just coming in and he feels like he's going down and he's sinking down. But even in that expression, there's hope. Because notice what he says to God. This is like a song, a prayer to God. He says, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. So he realizes, even in his turmoil, that somehow God is in charge. Somehow, not that God is just causing his, his, his sadness and trouble directly, but somehow behind it, God is, God is still in control. 
And that can be a real comfort to people who, who are struggling with any suffering in life. Um, one of the stories of suffering that really has helped and challenged me over the years is um, for a young lady called Johnny. Um, at the age of 17, she um, dived into some water that she thought was fine, but there were actually rocks submerged, and she was paralyzed from her neck down at age 17. And she had a real struggle with that to begin with, but then came to terms with it, and it was her relationship with God that helped her. She's had cancer since, and a lot of pain along with that, but she's still going on. She um, speaks regularly about suffering, and she has a, an organization helping people with disabilities. And this is something that she um, said about her own suffering. She, she said, Today, as I look back, I'm convinced that the whole ordeal of my paralysis was inspired by his love. I wasn't a rat in a maze. I wasn't the brunt of some cruel divine joke. God had reasons behind my suffering, and learning some of them has made all the difference in the world. He has reasons for your suffering too. That might sound very strange. might sound like a million miles away from where you are at the moment. But I just put it out there as something that has given comfort to Johnny and to others who have been in deep suffering as well. Uh, And something that is based on what we looked at in that psalm. And coming to realise somehow, even though we can't understand how um, we we could um, get through this time, that coming to a realisation that overall there's, there's a sovereign God, there's a God who can help, uh, God is in control, and that can help to get us through. But often it's a long haul. I like to do long distance running, and one of the reasons why I like to do that is because it reminds me just about, about life and how often you just have to keep going. You know, it's not the first mile that's important in running a marathon, it's, it's keeping going every mile. And um, that's a bit like the man in this, because he comes back and he says exactly the same thing to himself in verse 11, and then on into Psalm 43, he says the same thing. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. So there's a need often just to keep going. And if you came tonight looking for a quick fix to just explode you out of depression, I'm sorry, it often is a long haul. It's baby steps. It's, it, it's keeping going. But the important thing to remember is that there is hope. That's why he's saying, put your hope in God. There is hope. There is hope. But uh, often it's, it's, it's a long battle. It's, it's a keeping going. Um, one final thing then from this psalm is what we have here in, in 43. Um, they all originally seem to be part of one song um, with the same refrain because you've got the quiet uncast on my soul at the end of this. Um, but he seems to get a lot more positive here in verse 3. Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. He doesn't sound so depressed now. So what is it that's made the difference? Well, he talks about going to the altar of God. Um, in the Old Testament days, the altar was about sacrificing animals in, in the temple. Um, but when you come through to the New Testament part of the Bible, um, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, speaking about Jesus. And so it's the altar of the cross, the sacrifice of the cross. And you might think, well, 
how in our day can, how can what happened on the cross help? Well, think of it like this. When you feel really bad, you might think, nobody understands me. Nobody understands what I'm going through. And maybe you've been thinking tonight, well, it's okay for him, you know, talking about that, but he doesn't really understand what I've been through. And you'd be right. I don't really understand where you are, but I know somebody who does. And I really believe this, that that Jesus understands. Because he went through the darkness of the cross, one of the, the worst things about depression is the loneliness. The, the fear that, and, and the feeling of rejection. Um, feeling rejected is, a, is a, a painful thing. You know, if I said to you at uh, the tea and coffee time tonight, I came up and I said, I never want to see you again. You think, well, uh, it's a bit strange. It's maybe because he's from Cabin that he spoke, speaks like that. But you probably would get over it. you just dismiss it and... But if your nearest and dearest said that to you, and they really meant that I never want to see you again, you really, that would be awful, devastating. Well, that's a little kind of window into what Jesus was experiencing on the cross. Do you remember how he called out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was feeling the, 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 the weight of rejection from his father because he was being punished for the sins of people like me and you. So that rejection, Jesus was feeling that um, very much on the cross. So he understands. So that's good news to know that there's someone who really does understand you, who really does know what you're going through. Um, But even better than that, because he went through that, he's able to deliver you from, uh, from serious suffering. Sometimes people say when they're feeling really bad, you know, I'm going through hell. Well, you probably feel like that, but it's, um, it's, it's not actually hell. What Jesus experienced on the cross was hell because he was punished. He went through hell so that everybody who trusts in him won't have to go to hell. Um, you can put it like this, he went through hell so that you do not have to, to go to hell. To know that, and that's something that, in times in my life when I've been suffering, when I realised that there's somebody who went through that for me, that's how much he loves me, and that can help you to cope in, in difficult times. Just finish with um, another just saying from Jesus, some of the, an invitation that he gave when he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest so there's a that invitation there can be an inner even if we're not suffering from depression there's an, often an inner restlessness and sometimes we're trying to pay it off ourselves we're trying to pay for our own sins or by being really good we hope to earn God's favour well here's the invitation just to leave that to one side and to just rest in Jesus and what he's done for us um, So that's um, all I'm going to say for now, but if there are questions, um, please go ahead and uh, ask. We've got a few minutes. We were were late starting, just like we usually are in Cavan, so we'll finish a little bit later too. (laughs) That's that's okay. So we've got a few minutes then for...
the questions if you want to ask now, or as Johnny said, if you want to come and chat after, that's fine too. Anybody want to ask something? Just go can ahead. I, can, I, can I start it off? Um, if it's not too difficult, <laughs> get worried now. So someone who, um, maybe your own spouse, or your partner, or somebody who you live with, a friend, if, if there's somebody who's struggling, what, what can I do, what can mm. you do to, to help in that? Yeah. <laughs> so, first thing, listening, I think. Um, to, to listen. Not presume that you know what the other person's going through, even though you're living under the same roof. And maybe you're going through the financial trouble or the bereavement or whatever that they've gone through, that they're going through as well. Don't presume that they're experiencing it just the same as you are. We're all different, we're all unique. So listen, listen to them. Um, if there's that significant level of depression, you'd be encouraging them, go to your doctor. Um, I mentioned earlier about talking, being open about self-harm. Do you have thoughts of harming yourself? And um, certainly if someone says that to you, then you could ask a bit more. You know, have you actually made plans to do it? Um, seems like a very serious question, but it's, it's worth asking. And then they respond to that with the fact that they have thought of it in their life, that they do have plans, then um, say to them, then, well, we're going to make an appointment for you to see the doctor and going to um, have a chat with the doctor. And then, in an ongoing basis, you're, you'll be a, a help to that person. You'll be able to be an encouragement. And it can be a real struggle at times, but it's something that is really worth sticking with somebody through. Is that kind of thing? You feel free to come back to me on the answers, you know, as I'm saying. As I said earlier, I don't, I don't have all the answers, so if you want to chip in, feel free to do that. I've spoken to um, quite a, an amount of people over 45 years. Mm. And um, because uh, I'm in addiction myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always got, uh, discovered that uh, dialogue was the way out. That what was the way out? Dialogue. Yeah. And, uh, mm. As you mentioned, uh, about Mm-hmm. And uh, for that, I'm very grateful. 
mm. in attitudes, gratitude. Mm. Mm. Um, I couldn't talk to you about depression, I don't know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I speak to a lot of people that have depression. Mm-hmm. But I suppose really it is about um, getting them to speak. Mm. You know, and mm. I think that's the, mm. that's the main um, key to the lock. You know, Good. Getting them to speak. Yeah. And yeah. Thank you. And thanks very much for for that contribution. And, you know, it's something that I've learned even just in the past few years. The, um, the benefit of openness and, and I, I have um, benefited from talking to people that have been in AA and going along to a meeting myself and, and just seeing the, the, uh, the, the openness that is there and I think that folks in, in churches can learn from that as well the need to be open and honest about how we're feeling and being able to talk to others and to talk to God so thanks for that Anyone else? Sometimes people say they're depressed because they feel that they have no reason to be depressed because their life doesn't seem like they should be depressed. Yes. Yes. Um, And sometimes they can't articulate quite why they are feeling. Yeah. That's just right, yeah. They might have almost been embarrassed to yeah. say that they're depressed because everything's going well in life. Yeah. It can be like that, that there aren't those loss events. Yeah, so I think in those circumstances it's good to encourage people just to be honest and to just to say how they are feeling. Actively. Actively. Yeah. Yeah.
didn't mention the ECT treatment, the shock treatment that's still used by doctors in, in very severe cases of depression. You know, where people are put under a short anesthetic and given an electric shock. Might seem very severe, but I've seen it being really useful in some people. Actually, a good friend of mine who was seriously depressed after her husband died, and she responded. <coughs> so it's, there's, there's, there's that very serious cases too. Right. Anyone else with a question?
Um, but thank you for coming. On your way out, there is some literature just on the side there. If any of it is helpful to you, please feel free to take it. It is free, and there's no charge at all. Um, so tea and coffee will be served. Ivan, thanks very much again. Thank you. Thanks, as Tony said, I'll be around tonight, um, and as I mentioned earlier, I know that the church meets here on a Sunday, and everybody will be welcome to that, that's a way of kind of following on in the conversation that we've had um, that we've had this evening, so leave that with you. Thanks for your attention, it's great to speak to people who aren't asleep and who are interested, I'm not saying people are asleep on Sunday in Cabinet Church, they're not usually, but you, you, you're very um, with it in Cork, I have to say, so good to be here.